1-0 loss to Everton, 2-0 loss to City, somehow still in the top four race because the rest of the top four won't top four hopefuls won't put us out of our feeble misery. Um <laughs> are we recording this at uh five past ten on Wednesday night, so yep. like in, in the immediate aftermath of the derby. Um yeah, feels good, doesn't I don't, it? I don't know why we're here. <laughs> I've got, I, I don't know what we can possibly because, because hope. we're respecting the fans, Paul. Yeah, okay, you're right. That's it. Yeah, we're playing for the shirt, the Ranker <laughs> shirt, which you still haven't sent me, by the way. No, I haven't sent anyone. It's a problem. I've got a big box. Useless. And uh, much like our defence, thirteen yeah. goals we've conceded since we last scored one. I think about eight of them, David de Gea has chucked in his own net. Um, so, a friend of the show, Cal Gildart, sent me a message um, during this game saying. Terrible from Dave. Still, that's proper top red behaviour. Chucking one in to stop Liverpool. Right. Well, remember and Stephen Gerrard against Chelsea a few years back. Not not the slip. The uh, no, no, the one the, where uh, we wanted pass. Liverpool to get yeah, the back pass. That's it. And Chelsea won um, the league by a point. But the thing is, though, unlike Stephen Gerrard, David de Gea is smart. He has uh, planned this in advance and made it look like he's turned into a weird pile of jelly um, for weeks on end, so that when he chucks one in against City, it looks plausible. Yeah, I'd I'd love to think that was true. So, where do you want to start? I I don't. I I know you don't want to. I know you keep telling me you don't want to talk about football anymore. And I think uh, after seven defeats in nine games, many United fans are just wishing the season would be over. It will be very soon. Uh, We've got about ten days left of uh, this season, something like that. Um, There are a few things we should talk about, though. And there's the games against Everton and City. We We haven't got any others to talk about, have we? Just those two. Uh, and uh but there's the bigger picture which i think a lot of fans have been talking about this week so what what does it mean in terms of where we go forward from here and the golfing class to europe's elite and in fact domestic i was gonna say domestic elite as well but domestic (laughs) mid-table um given what everton did why this has happened so is this is this Ollie being found out? Is this a fitness issue, or is this the the what appears to be the dominant narrative amongst the? Uh, I, I'm just going to call them for the want of a better word, the Genev crowd, uh, which is the players just don't care enough. Um, and and so those are the things I want to talk about: the games, why, and where we go for here. All right. Well, and where should we start? T- take take your pick, Ed. <laughs> I'll, oh, let's, I'll come. let's talk about the games then. Let's talk about I'll it. come with you. I'll come with you on this ride till <laughs> it finally offers us the sweet relief of not having to talk about Man United ever again. Uh, you've been uh, just as an aside uh, in the uh, preamble to this one. Uh, I caught Paul not not necessarily uh, looking at Eric Cantona's Insta feed of uh, <laughs> he's deleted large that, by male the way. members. Uh, <laughs> May or may not be Cantonars, we're not quite sure. Um, uh, but uh, unfollowing Manchester United players, what is this sacrilege in the medieval times that have burnt you at stake for this? What's going on? I'm just sick of seeing them. It's, to be fair, it's not entirely their fault. It's also the um, non, whatever the word is, uh, non-chronological timelines on Instagram. You can turn so, that off, can't you? Or at least you can on Inst- no, uh, on Twitter. Yeah. No, you can't. Um, and so you see stuff from before the match, after the match, and I just don't want to see it. Yeah, um, it's nonsense. But also, also hit them where it hurts, isn't it? If they, it's like, <laughs> I. But genuinely, it is because I'm sick of the sight of all of them, to be honest. So well, we'll, we'll see after a small break over the summer. See whether we can't come back refreshed. So Everton game. Um, we had a, a small debate 
not very lengthy one on uh, the Rankcast WhatsApp group, the very exclusive Rankcast WhatsApp group, which you can purchase member of membership of uh, at the one thousand pound tier. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> It's just me, you and Tom, just to be clear. It's not like a secret group with listeners. And David Gill. It's the Illuminati of (laughs) Rankcastum. We we had a small debate about, was that the worst performance of the post-Fergie era? Um, And and probably it's not, but it's it's pretty far up there. I mean, it's got all the hallmarks of some of the worst performances. Absolute chaos on the pitch. I mean, the players didn't even look like they'd been on a training ground together uh, most of the time. All four goals you could look at and say there was some kind of defensive error in there. You know, either set pieces and not defending it properly or even one of them came from our own corner, didn't it? Um, and then uh, the attitude. And I, I really don't subscribe to the kind of G-Nev school that it's, it's all about their attitude. But there was something in the fact that United players ran collectively five miles less than Everton players. So... Um, and uh, uh, the tactics, a little oddball again from Ollie, I'd say. There's been, uh, he's trying to find his way out of this slump, and it is a slump, um, but it's, uh, it's looking a little eccentric. Um, the, uh, the selectioning at City came straight out of the Fergie Tombola, maybe literally, uh, since Fergie's, <laughs> the hand of Fergie is playing its, uh, its, uh, its, um, its moves these days. Um, and uh, and just the kind of the technical approach of United couldn't string a pass together. I mean, anybody, basically. Uh, it was just a disaster all around. Anyway, my thoughts. Yours? Yeah, yeah I, I agree with almost all of that. I actually thought the selection against City and the tactics against City were pretty spot on, to be honest. But against Everton, it was just a complete mess from start to finish, obviously. I mean, this was, this is one where... In a way, it sort of defies analysis because because we're almost all we can go on is the game. There has to be some sort of reason why the team was that bad in that game. I mean, you you know, in my last ever United press conference, this is exactly the question I was trying to ask Mourinho, and I asked it slightly inarticulately, but he seemed to get the gist of what I was saying, and then he didn't answer it. But I was asking, what's up with the collective psychology of this team? Why, when things are good, do they look like world beaters? And as soon as their things are slightly less than ideal, they've got a huge capacity just completely crumble. And this was another example of that. I mean, whether it's the worst performance since Fergie era, the the two three nils against City and Liverpool in the Moyes season, the Olympiacos game in the Moyes season, yep. West Ham earlier this season yep. under Mourinho. I mean, there's there's a few contenders. Some of some of the, oh God, that Sheffield United game, which we eventually won under um, Van Hal. Norwich around Christmas time under yep. Van Hal, which we lost. Yep. There have been some you know, stinkers, that's for sure. But I think this Everton game's in the top 10. Top five, oh, it's, maybe? It's, it's, it's at least on a par with all of those that I've just listed. And that's, you know, that's... That's really shocking, and I and I didn't think that everything would be lovely now that Solskjaer was in charge. But I have to say, I was surprised to see a performance of that level of ineptitude. I didn't think we were going to see another performance like yeah. that this season. No, I really didn't. and and I do think there's um, there's an awful lot in the analysis that some of the more uh, rational amongst our support uh, have put forward, which is. Uh, United have got a fitness problem. 
So, and he pushed them really, really hard in December and January, and he's he's now facing burnout. Uh, and you know, I I, th- I have some sympathy with that. I I I don't sympathise so much with the they don't care because they clearly really did care during that Absolutely. opening period of uh, Ollie's reign. They clearly were enjoying football again, and they wanted to win, and it felt like a collective. And and you know the the noise coming out of the club and the players and their Insta feeds, which you won't see anymore, um, <laughs> and and Wuwa's briefings and all of it was look, it's it's a turnaround. Everyone's feeling great, uh, and uh, everyone loves this club, and this is where we want to go. So I'm not sure that after a couple of defeats, they suddenly just don't care anymore i think it's too easy to say that i I do think he's right ollie to criticize the work rate i just think there's an awful lot in the fact that they are they are facing some burnout and really only five percent has to come off to to start losing games and there have been some close games in there and there have been some games against some really top class opposition the everson game though and and just how feeble they were uh, was a shocker was a real shocker and you you felt in the press conference after that game really felt for ollie because he he looked broken you know and uh i think he picked himself up pretty quickly uh, uh, you, you know i uh, uh along with everyone else watched the interview with gary neville and i thought he was pretty resolute ollie uh, and pretty sensible in his words he didn't he didn't sound defeatist in that one but he, he definitely did after everton you know and and just you know final word in a long ramble here um, just you know, one other mitigating factor, and it's only a tiny mitigating factor. Everton has scored with a 0.02 xG, a 0.04 xG, and a 0.09 xG chances. Three of their, you know, so there's some three, yeah, you know, otherworldly, if not worldy goals uh, they scored there, which is a small mitigating factor in an otherwise pathetic performance. I tell you what's been winding me up in the, in the list of things. Honestly, I don't. I, I, my life would be so much happier if I didn't pay any attention to football. I just this is this podcast is the last thing keeping me heavily invested in the day to day of all of this. Um, but anyway, um, I, the thing that's been doing my fruit is the kind of uh, analytics crowd kind of crossing their arms and turning their nose up in the air and saying, well, we told you this would happen, as if the analytics haven't dropped off a cliff while the performances have dropped off a cliff. Like, it's, yeah, so there was there was some outperforming of XG, but uh, that's not, what's not happening now isn't... Yeah, this is not regression to the mean. Ex- this, this exactly. Is, this, is this is everything a, falling off a cliff, yeah. Which, yeah, this is a collapse in the mean. Yeah, no, no, that's right, that's right. And uh, I don't think that other half of that story has been properly told um and uh you know i think we've had this discussion before haven't we about some of the uh very smart people in the world of analytics not always being very good communicators a, a bit like scientists trying to uh, explain climate change uh, and uh, they don't always get the message across so um yeah that's not great i i, I like to think on this podcast we use data in um a uh, you know reasonably explanatory point of view to to uh you know not not heavy-handed just to talk talk about the game and and for it to help our points you know and and to my previous point everton's xg was depending on and calculate it how you calculate it either 1.4 or 0.95 right so pointing to the fact that everton didn't even have to be that good to win very heavily so some freakishness but an awful lot of very bad very bad defending allowing those chances to happen 
So the City game was a, a huge improvement. I mean, I thought that that interview with Gary Neville, Sosha struck exactly the right tone, made five changes, um, played a back five. I, I don't understand why how Ashley Young got a game um, based on previous week's performance. I guess you could say similar about David De Gea, although he's got a much longer and deeper line of credit. Um, but the... Uh, you know, and for I sent a message to a few people after ten minutes, being like, "Oh, we've had a bright first ten minutes and haven't scored, therefore we're going to lose four nil," um, which I was a half joking, but actually we stayed in it a long time, and it wasn't until oh, yeah. the half hour mark that City had any measure of control. I thought playing free at the back really, really worked. I thought our midfield did a great job, and and Rashford was causing their back four absolute heebie-jeebies. Um, he had Vincent yes. Company on well, toast. Well, Company, yes, who, who's definitely the weak link there, and and uh, his lack of fitness, I think, um, was was properly targeted by United. Uh, back three was uh, okay for United. I mean, I think uh, Solskjaer explained it uh, well enough uh, in his pre-match interview. A little surprised that Matteo Darmian was in there, uh, and Ashley Young, given how awful he's been recently, and and uh, Diogo Dallo can probably feel a bit unlucky that he hasn't he's not been given a chance given how his principal competitor for that position has been pretty dreadful uh, and Damian I, I don't know how many games he's played this season it's not a lot uh, and you know it's absolutely shocking that United kept him for another year and didn't just offload him for whatever fee was going um he was pretty good in this game though, he, did, he did all right he did all right Damian yeah and then look structure, structurally United were fine I'm um, you know very competitive uh, second half, obviously, City uh, got on top. Not not just the goals, but just uh, in terms of you know dominating position, possession, and position on the pitch. And United uh, sat back an awful lot, and uh, you know kind of stopped pressing. Maybe partly to do with just the the um, the uh, narrative of the game, and also fitness, uh, I think. And City scored think... with a couple of goals that they they really shouldn't have scored with. I, I've got to say, I think if you know David de Gea on top form and I think I've defended him more on this pod than than you've been inclined to do um uh David De Gea on top form saves both of those I think well I mean the second one David De Gea on medium form saves the first one I don't know that's again it's that kind of like again that narrative again yeah and and the idea that whenever you get beaten at your near post you've made a mistake I but mean it, yeah but this one I, I don't think it's even that I think it's just positioning he's taken a step to the right it's he's, yeah. he's got himself in a bad position and and uh, you don't you can be beaten in the near post with a, so a shots taken early or extreme power that wasn't even taken that early and it wasn't it was just a it was a grass cutter so he's got to save that I mean it, it was a snapshot wasn't it and it surprised him but yeah but that one you could you could uh, you could extend him some generosity on that one, but the second one I think is just in defense. But against Everton really. as but, well, and and I, I not that you can obviously obviously say he definitely should have saved uh, the one that went into the corner from um, somebody who I'm totally forgetting, and I'll come back to me in a second. I, I, yeah, whoever no you know, it, he didn't move, and I I think the problem there is not that he should definitely have saved it, but. It doesn't look to me that he's focusing during games. It looks to me that he's not in that sort of zone that all goalkeepers need to be in. And uh, he faces a lot of shots, David De Gea, over the last few years because United give up a lot of shots because they've had nobody who looks like a decent defensive midfielder for some time. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, he's normally good with that. 
and there've yeah. been games where he's saved you know 20 shots yeah uh, but and, he's... and at the moment he's not and it just doesn't look like he's able to focus on what he needs to focus on I mean, I don't know what the solution is and I don't know what the, the short, medium or long-term approach should be, um, but he's an absolute liability at the moment. I mean, he's worth a goal of ga- a goal a game to the opposition, basically. I mean, he's been worth like three goals a game to us for ages. So, you know, but he, he is, I mean, genuinely over the last 10 games or whatever, he's been worth 0.7 of a goal to the opposition, basically. Um, and that is a massive, massive problem. Um, the the one of the things I want to say about the the structure and how effective it was. You mentioned pressing, and you said United stopped pressing, but I actually don't think that's accurate because I think we varied the the kind of pressing triggers in quite an interesting way in this game, in a way that I've not necessarily seen so far. Because uh, there were definite, there was definitely a kind of keep your shape approach once City got past about like you know about the the 25 yard line of their in their half um so the pressing was almost entirely done right from the front when the keeper or the center backs had the ball and almost as soon as it went any deeper than that united were dropping into their shape um and trying to deny space and city i mean I, we we talked about data quite a lot and and analytics in particular and city had uh, just over half a goal of xg in this game uh, which is incredibly low for them. And a lot of that was to do with United crowding the space in the box, I think. I think we denied them the opportunity quite effectively to do that, like drag back cross across, you know, the 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 byline low cross, what Karl Anker calls the triple tap cross, the FIFA triple tap cross, that they've done time and time and time again. They They hardly were able to do that. And they actually had to score goals that are not normally the kind of goals that they score. So... You know, the one thing we didn't do, though, was create substantial chances ourselves because our, our XG was very similar. Um, the There was the the Rashford shot from a million miles. We well, can't call that a chance, but it was pretty close. A real, a real confident and testing shot from about 100 yards out. Um, then there was the, uh, the one where it looked like Lingard had dropped an absolute rick. Um, the one where it bobbled around, it went to Rashford and he crossed it to Lingard at the back post and and company kind of swung at it and Lingard was just off balance and not in position to take it. I mean, I thought he was going to score there and I think that might have been at 1-0. Um, but yeah, it certainly would have changed the complexion of the game. I, I thought it was... Int- I thought... It, I know I've been talking for ages, but the last thing I wanted to say was just... I thought United's effort, collective endeavour, all of that was pretty good up till around 60 minutes. After 60 minutes, once it went 2-0, it just looked, they looked lost really at that point. Yeah, I mean, uh, going back to the original point around pressing, I, I kind of think you've made it too. So they went from pressing high up the pitch to, to basically a low block in the second half um, and trying to squeeze the squeeze Manchester City's attack into a very narrow area, which is okay as a defensive tactic. Um, City can score all sorts of goals though, can't they? Um, they're one where they uh, move around the back, uh, and, and then they've got brilliant players who can who can score from anything. And and then David de Gea helping them along the way in this one. Um, I feel like I've run out of things to say about these games now. It was just so so awful uh, against Everton that 
Um, at least there was a chance, I suppose, in quick su- succession to get some pride back. And United did in this this game. O- obviously, we want much more than that, than than being just a bit competitive, but ultimately losing. It feels like Scotland losing to, you know, some mediocre Eastern European team in the uh, Euro qualifying final game, doesn't it? You know, oh, well, we did all right there. But, you know, well, no one like, at United it's... wants to just do all right. We've got to do better it's... than that. But it was it's better than like... Everton. More like we lost to was Scotland losing to Kazakhstan, and then we gave Spain an all right game. Like, yeah, that's more more like what it was like, isn't it? Yeah. Um, um, the, but you know, the the disaster was the Everton game. I mean, that we are miles off City. We all know we're miles off City. I mean, we're miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles off City. We're we're miles off City at every level of the club. Yeah. Um Well, when when I say that, I mean senior men's football I, I can't speak for the youth team and I don't know how well organized the structures of the women's team are obviously the city women's team are excellent but I just mean in terms of the first team squad the, you know organization squad development all of that kind of stuff we're we're, we're not 25 looking... points behind them and and that's a, probably a fair reflection of of how far they are ahead as a club, and and and, absolute, you know, and, and kind of comes to one of the things that you know I, I think we should talk about, which is just like, and I know we've talked a lot over the last ten years on this podcast about these themes, but why we're here today and where we can go next, because it's been in the news a lot this week with a potential appointment at a technical director as well. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't, I don't know if I care. I really, I really don't know if I care, because it would be great if they made massive sweeping structural changes and set the club up to be a massively successful football operation rather than like an ego trip and a money generator for a small handful of people. Um, but that's not what's going to happen, probably. I, I'm glad the manager. You know, I, I think I said this before, but. Um, if the whole thing's going to be a state, I'm glad that at least the manager's someone I like. Um, that goes a long way with me. But but if we have a, a point, the technical director, great. I mean, first of all, it's extremely telling that he's called the technical director because Woodward won't give up his fiefdom. He won't give up all his super fun football manager that he likes to play with, you know, real life. Um The Glazers are going to still be sucking money out of the club. We're going to be here in three years time saying oh well Ollie gave it a good shot but you know either he came up short or the club came up short or some combination of the two you're confident that he gets three years (laughs) well yeah quite I mean we're not going to win the league for what five years minimum minimum and that's if everything goes pretty much extremely correctly like yeah we've done a Liverpool we have uh, we have absolutely done a Liverpool it's done now that's that's it yeah for for Liverpoolization but I mean Ollie was actually much more confident when when a similar question was put to him by Gary Neville and he said he was pretty confident. He sees something in the squad he's got uh, and the players uh, here. And he thinks in a couple of seasons that uh, will be much more competitive. I mean, one one thing, I mean, I feel like we've been here before in this conversation. Um, so, one, I don't believe, uh, as you don't believe, and you're sounding lots more depressed uh, about it. But I don't believe that... Uh, United will restructure in the way that we really need to. 
Uh, and uh, I, I think you see that when certain favourites of Woodward put out stories. One was along the lines of, you know, we they don't believe a fundamental restructure behind the scenes is needed. They've done it in terms of coaching, right? Then came, comes the thing about um, uh, Mike Phelan potentially getting the role of technical director. That's been sort of poo-pooed by the club afterwards. But, uh, but you know, if, if, that, if, if the word in the street is that so, it's someone who's going to oversee coaching, well, that would seem like a natural progression of the work they've been trying to do uh, to, you know, make appointments at different coaching levels anyway, yeah? Um, and, and maybe that was a problem. Maybe United were a long way behind, and certainly that was a feeling of uh, many people who uh, watched the uh, academy teams that United were falling behind in terms of the academy. So they've got very good facilities. They've made some changes at the academy level. Um, they, there's plenty of talented boys coming through those in those teams, um, some of whom may get into the first-team squad next season. Um, but that's a very different one from uh, the question around, you know, can we actually use the money we've got as a club to work for us rather than against us, which is, you know, either pouring out to the banks, which is going to continue. There's not, not going to be any end to that while the Glazer family are still in charge until they sell out to either some Russian oligarch or uh, Petro sovereign wealth somewhere in the Middle East. Um, or um, or, or we, we use the money that's actually there and is spent in the transfer market and, and use it effectively because... Actually, Liverpool and their progression over the last three years has not come on the back of, like, they've spent lots of money, but they haven't spent orders of magnitude more than us. Right? No, so, of course not. No, they've, they've they, done they it picked... smartly, and they've got a structure that allows them to make the right kind of decisions. And, uh, and, and we do not. And, and they got the right manager for their position and their kind of club and all of that stuff and fully backed him and all that. You know, all of that was necessary. I guess one of the reasons I'm so, I don't know, just disheartened by the whole thing is um, is how quickly everything's turned to absolute dust again. And also how exhausting I find everyone's reaction to it, including my own. Like just the amount of people, you know, going, oh, what a mistake it was to appoint Ole or, or even like... Um, it was a massive mistake to appoint him when they did. That's what's done for the season, and I, I just think maybe, maybe that's true. But we don't, we don't really know. We don't, we don't really. It's the the frustration I find. You know, ironically, having been part of it for so many years, it's the frustration I find with fan coverage of like assumed knowledge, um, which you know I, I I try to stay away from myself. Uh, but I'm, I'm not always successfully, um, I should say. But but I just find it very, I find the whole thing very upsetting, really. That and and I kind of question what's the point of what is the point of covering United week to week? Like, what what do we get out of it? What do people get out of listening to us? Well, it's quite a lot of people who listen to it and who enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, and I just yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, it's it's just a f- but, but isn't that the point of football? It's you know you enjoy watching the games, hopefully <laughs> not well, not too no, much no, of that no, over I mean, the last like... six years. And and <laughs> yeah. and you know fans like you know whether down the pub after the game uh, on social media or on a podcast uh, like talking about it. 
And, yeah. you know, that's just that's fans being fans. That is part of fan culture. And, of course, everyone's going to have an opinion. I think there's a lot of boneheaded opinions, to be honest. I think a lot, a lot of them, uh, you know, there's a Venn diagram of, of people who, A, a think, you know, Mourinho was the, the truth and the only truth. And the earth is flat and we should bin Pogba and De Gea, uh, yeah, especially Pogba. Um, and that's, a. I mean, I'd say it's less of a Venn diagram than a single circle of those kind of people. And and that's a, a pretty frustrating conversation to have with people. And, and um, you know, I, I, uh, I was critical of De Gea on this podcast. It's obvious he's not in great form. Paul Pogba's form has dropped off a cliff too, although I think he still does today. some very good things in games but he was pretty good today I thought. it was all right today yeah he's the, he's the only one right and when i say he's dropped off a cliff i think he's his standards has actually been very high despite what you might have heard from the previous manager and despite what you hear from week to week from some people and i was you know i was trying to make that point um in a friendly conversation with our friend of the pod darren uh rickman um richmond richmond um uh, on Twitter, you know, which is, I think, Twitter is a very hard place to have a conversation that's not reductive. But I think his standards are very high, Pogba, um, and uh, I think given the quality that he's got around him, he's the one that's trying to push United to play more progressive football, more attacking football, more inventive football, more creative football. And there's no one else going to do it. And and if it's not him, who is it? Uh, do you think if we bin him, spend a hundred million on a midfielder that we're going to build a structure around that player or that we're going to buy the right midfielder. We're not going to just, you know, go out and spunk it on Andreas Iniesta or something like that, you know, or some <laughs> waning name. I just like you, you build around the talent you've got is my view. Not everyone thinks that clearly. No, um, I mean, the, the other thing is like, I, you know, I'm, I'm very up for describing the people that think Mourinho was right as boneheaded, um, but they might be right. And I might be wrong. Cause you know, I'm only, no. it's only, you know, I mean... No. I, I mean, look, I, if, if Mourinho did half the job he was supposed to do, Ollie wouldn't be in the job now. Yeah, I, and listen, uh, when I say that, uh, what I mean is they might have some points which are right in some areas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is um, the the quality of the squad isn't as high as it should be, given the um, the wealth that this club has and the money that we've spent. Then again, Mourinho spent an awful lot of that money uh, and uh, not all of his purchases have been very successful. So um, two of whom were on the bench today against City and fully deserved it, I'd say, in terms of their performances this season, Matic and Lukaku. Um, and another one, Sanchez, should never get <laughs> off the bench, ever. He did, though. Had a little, little, little run around. Um, I'm upset about Antonio Martial playing terribly week after week at the yeah, moment. He was very I, bad against to, Everton, sadly. I hope I hope this is as a consequence of being slow to come back from his injury rather than because he put in a massive shift, got a massive contract and is now coasting. I, I, I would hate to think that yeah. that's what's going on. I mean, look, I think, um, to come back to the point you made about uh, fans criticising Oli and saying, oh, we made the, the appointment too soon. I, I don't know that yet. And, I kind of feel like, and I feel like I made this point about David Moyes, maybe not David Moyes, Van Hall and Mourinho. You know, it's it's pretty hard to say until a manager's had a, a transfer window or two and is able to shape the squad to his liking to the type of football he wants, and and uh, and he's able to sort of build. The concerning thing, and I, I think I talked about the caveats earlier, is 
just how much United have fallen off a cliff in these last few weeks. Yeah. Um, and and just how hard it is to turn around that kind of confidence and reports that the players were having to go at each other for an hour after the game in the dressing room are pretty concerning. Um, well, I'm, I, I'm not sure they are, to be honest. I kind of feel like that's the kind of game after which they all need to have a massive row with each other and then make up. Yeah, you know, it's just the it's just the whether they then the then make up part. And I just want to clarify something. I know this is a you don't need me to clarify this, but someone out there probably does. I'm not saying people shouldn't be critical of Ole in terms of his decisions or anything that they disagree with in specifics or whatever. But it's the kind of oh he's a fraud, you know, blah blah blah. All that it just does my head in. It's it's I know I know it's it's opt in that, that stuff. You don't have to see that stuff, but um, it makes the whole. Because you know when when you when you do a podcast like this, one one of the things I like because if we, as well as talking about the games, we like to talk about the culture around the club and what's going on and you know what Eric Cantona is up to on Instagram and all this kind of stuff. And and like I made a point of watching that Solskjaer interview with Gary Neville mostly because mostly because of this right that we do this. So I do like to kind of keep a little bit of an eye on what people are saying and feeling. But that, I just it's just so. It's just so depressing. But mm. to be honest, that applies to literally all walks of life. So <laughs> that's, oh, oh, you know. I think Paul needs a hug. Um, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like if you if you read commentary of people who are following yes. basically any subject, you'll very soon be depressed. Well, well, sure. But there, there is good commentary too. And uh, I, 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 maybe, maybe you know, we, we can uh, we can pro- provide the, uh, the good commentary. So, you know, <laughs> me- media is basically split into different types of takes, right? That is modern media. It's takes. And we hopefully provide a depth of take, which isn't just people yelling at each other, which is about 99% of media, right? Whether it's yelling at each other in all caps on Twitter um, (laughs) or on, you know, talk shows or news, whatever. So I think think that's only, it's only happened like three times in nine years that we've actually yelled each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, So we don't do what, you know, media 101, you want, you want to build a, something that's popular. uh, You build the the media around the tension, don't you? Everything's conflict. And, uh, and so, you know, like perhaps we should be proper rank cast and, and be shouting at each other or something like that. Um, I did call you Farage on the WhatsApp group, so you know you we, did we... for uh, for uh, for what I believe to be deeply unjustified reasons. I, in fact, I was just thinking we should pivot to the tension and discuss the 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 thing that you, the reason that you called me Farage is because I very sincerely think we should drop De Gea against Chelsea. Not, I'm not joking. I'm not being reactive. That's my honest take on this. Is I think he needs to be taken out of the firing line for a bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that's a UKIP opinion. I really don't. Because I want, just no, to be clear, no. <laughs> I want to replace him with another immigrant. I don't want to recall Dean Henderson from loan. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm joking. But um, uh, again, talking about Venn diagrams, I think the Venn diagram of people who are like, oh, Pogba out and... Uh, and uh, Brexit means Brexit. Uh, pretty, it's pretty tight. And they're, they're... Well, I think that's really unfair. I really do, because none of the people that I know who are popular no, out, know, and there are but some. But there are an awful lot of them. And and mm. to be fair, um, yes, many people we know are not that. Um, <laughs> anyway, De Gea anyway, dropped De Gea, or not. I, I might have a different opinion on this dropped. if it was the middle of December. And um, I felt that, you know, a, a few weeks out in order to come back, 
refreshed and everyone understood that's what it is uh, was the decision. With three games to go in the season, what point are you making? I mean, you can't you can't drop him for one game. You're dropping him for the rest of the season. Uh, and then with the contract negotiations hanging over the hair, which is, I, I'm just going to guess. I don't know. It's just an opinion. I think he's probably the thing that's destroyed his focus most of all, right? He's he's unsure about what he wants to do with his life. And I would be as well. A player of his quality, you know, if, if not the best keeper in the world on current form, um, then in terms of his quality, very much the best goalkeeper in the world or potential to be. Um, should he be in a team that is sixth with 64 points and heading for a fourth season in the last six out of the Champions League? Of course he shouldn't be. You know, I'm not surprised his focus is gone. Um, but three games before the end of the season, I I don't know. I think that that makes a it makes a weird statement that one. But but okay, so regard let, that's an important because you're just dropping you him. You're not dropping him for a he needs to be taken out of the firing line. Firing line. But, you're just dropping okay. Him. I, so I guess what I'm saying, I guess I was being a little euphemistic when I said drop take him out of the fire line. We've got three games left, and if we win all three of those games, there is a. a uh, some chance we'll be getting into Europe, like into the Champions League, because we're two points behind Arsenal. So if they lose their, if they lose either of their, any of their three games, so they they've got Leicester away, which they're more than capable of losing yep. next Sunday. Um, and they're Brighton not in great home, form either, Arsenal. By the way, well, lost of the weekend they, as well, and and just lost tonight to Wolves. But yep. got battered by Wolves. I mean, everyone, all the good, all the cool kids are getting battered by Wolves. But anyway. Um, and we play Chelsea at the weekend, so we can swap yeah, places yeah. with them. No, look, it's a, at the it weekend. is a pragmatic so, argument. I, I, yeah, I, it's a sound pragmatic argument. I'm not sure I'm there yet, um, but of course, you know, if, if Oli does it and makes the gamble, and Ferguson made that kind of, kind of gamble, FA Cup final replay 1990, <laughs> yeah. the biggest one of all. And then um, Jim Jim Layton never like uh, David mm-hmm. De never talks to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer again until yeah, the yeah, rest that's of his right. Life. <laughs> never plays for the club, disappears <laughs> after Real Madrid. This summer, um, yeah, maybe, and and that's how frustrating it is that United lost this game tonight. Where of course they were second best, but they lost in tiny details and and weren't able to get something against Everton and just threw it away because I mean, you know Chelsea and Arsenal and Spurs are dropping points all over the place. I mean, Spurs but, only just pulled one out of the fire against Brighton the other night. I mean, I've I've seen a lot of people say this, Ed, and I completely understand it, but. The level of destroyed that we got by Everton makes me like find it hard to be like, oh, if only, yeah, you know. No, because, I know, I know, like, I know. But it's one of those games that you expect United to get something out of. I, I mean, no, oh, yeah, I agree. very much yeah, I agree. a mid-table side with mid-table levels of consistency. So, and and you know what, what's what's interesting, of course, is that what's happened in the last two games is that the top two have extended the gap on. The chasing pack and the chasing pack have all basically uh, bricked it <laughs> like one after the other. They've just the chasing pack of just you know of yeah. us, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Spurs have all just yeah. massively underperformed. I mean, of course, Spurs had that incredible yeah. result that people seem to enjoy uh, listening to us watch. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spurs well, Spurs City did game. at least do the decent thing and win the right game and lose the right game. Yeah, um, yeah. In, in that one. So, yeah, I mean, it could well be that third place is 20 points behind the winners by the end of the season, which, yeah, which is astonishing, really, and, and says something absolutely. about the the state that I, I don't I'm not I would I don't want to say quality, but the state that the 
the the rest of the league is in right now. Um, uh, but I also I also think, and I know this is like not the forum in which to say this in in any possible way, but it also speaks to what an extraordinary season Liverpool and City are having. I mean, they are they are. If we were anything other than Man United fans, if we were football fans of any other ilk, I guess maybe except Everton, like this would be a kind of standing ovation type performance from both of those clubs, like for for just the sheer achievement on a football sense. Well, sure, because above 90 points, is, which is what they'll both get, is is a very high points total in a historical context. It's very hard to talk about points from season to season because it really does matter on what the level of competition is uh, in any one season. The fact that, that Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal and United are extremely inconsistent. I mean, Spurs have lost 11 games this season. Yeah. That, that's, tw- that's that's nearly 40 games lost between them, like those four teams this season. Yeah, yeah. Right? Incredibly yeah. inconsistent. Um, so that's got a lot to do with the, the size of the gap. And, and of course, you know, Liverpool having lost just the one once and City are, are very consistent. You know, I, I don't go for, as far as one commentator this week and said that uh, Liverpool should be called or whoever comes second should be called associate, uh, associate champions. champions. I just think that's nonsense, right? Second is nowhere. You lost. You lost. You don't call Bayern Munich associate champions for the 99, do you? You know? No, or, or like... Perhaps even more opposite, you don't call Arsenal associate league champions from that season, and they pushed United to the last day of the season. Right, got to the semi final of the cup. You know. And then Arsenal—that so. was an incredible side that that had won the double the year before, yeah, um, and was fractions away from winning the double that season. Absolutely, so. but we did. We won the treble, in fact. Yeah, and and that's, which... of course it's something that City won't be doing <laughs> this season. And Liverpool aren't going to win the league, so it's all going to work out just fine. Apart from uh, for the only bit that works out fine is the Schadenfreude, and that's heavily contextualised by the fact yeah. that actually it's Man only City are Schadenfreude, only... yeah, yeah, because yeah. Man City are going to win the league. And actually, the reason that Liverpool should be called associate champions has nothing to do with how close they run them. It's to do with the fact that City have been financially doping and shouldn't be anywhere near. Uh, the position that they're in, and we should be champions from last season. No, so Mourinho should have another league title. <laughs> shows you how precious City have got, and uh, Pep Guardiola has got. He, he got a bit uh, riled up by Oli talking about their the number of fouls that City make uh, with a high press, that. which is totally accurate. They do. They make a very low number of fouls in terms of the overall total number of fouls yeah. uh, in the league. But fouls per minute, they are number one in the Premier League, and most of them are in the uh, the their the opposition's defensive third, you know? So Wait, how can how can fouls per minute per minute of possession? Oh, okay. Right. right. They average like seventy percent possession. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, you missed that part and that, of non possession. Yeah, it's a key key difference. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like one, you know, stupid, weird stat, but I I think it just backs up the point Ali was making, which is a perfectly fair point. What he should have said, of course, is that City have cheated their way to the title by spending 1.5 billion um, of a sovereign wealth fund and uh, trying to cover it up through a bunch of uh, shell companies and fake sponsorships. And, uh, also, and then Pep's been injecting all these players with drugs. <laughs> well, Maybe. let's leave that last part out. But the rest of it, also, the reason that all that's been happening... That was a joke. It, joke, joke, <laughs> joke for any lawyers. The reason that all that's been happening is in order to uh, distract people's attention from human rights abuses. So, you know, 
there you go. Anyway, um, enough about all that, because uh, that is not coming from a place of football bitterness. It just sounds like it is because we've just lost to them in the derby. Um, the, uh, the, the where we go from here question, I, I think we, we've done our best to have a little go at that. I mean, top four is definitely the aim next season. And I think it's a real shame that that's the case. One thing I want to say about Pep, though, do you remember when Mourinho, before the Champions League semi-final uh, in 2011, when Madrid and Barca played in the Champions League semi-final, yep. and Mourinho said, oh, Guardiola is now, after I think it was after the Copa del Rey, when Mourinho said, Guardiola is now inventing a new thing to complain about, which is when referees get the decision correct. Um, right. <laughs> he, he was complaining about VAR, getting two decisions absolutely bang on, uh-huh. uh, which caused them to go out of the Champions League. So Mourinho's right again. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Jose apologist now. I'll lay out. No, I'm not. <laughs> flat earther. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. I guess talking of flat earthers, do we have to take some, not our listeners, but just Twitter in general is why there are flat earthers now again. Um, should we take some Twitter questions? All right, let's get to some questions. There are quite a lot of them. We'll do the best we can. Oye Yopanyai, um, friend of the pod, says... Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. And totally oh. butchered his name there, I, I suspect. Sorry about that. Uh, since Edward and the board aren't leaving our club any t- time soon, what's the most we can hope for over the next five seasons? Is a director of football enough to change things for the better? So hmm. remember a second ago when I said, Ed, try not to pick any questions which are about things we've already talked about. Yeah, no, I know. But we didn't like answer it specifically. Yeah. Um, uh, building over the next five seasons and um, you would hope there would be a shot at the title at some point in there. But from here, I mean, like we finished second last season, not that it was an actual competitive race at any point. Um, but you'd say, oh, we if we make the right kind of purchases there, perhaps we can build on that. But it looks like it really looks like the the squad isn't in a state for that to be true, and it's going to take three seasons to oh, three seasons of spending in the right way to to get back to a shot at the title. It looks like sure it's a director of football. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know whether it's 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 uh, at this point it's short code for um, modernizing the scouting uh, and um, uh, acquisitions department. Uh, in some way that we can both do the deals, do the right kind of deals, the right kind of structured deals, don't get ripped off like we did with Sanchez and so many others um, and just be much, much more intelligent and smart about it and make the right kind of purchases and don't fail so often because that's what top clubs do. Um, talking of top clubs, Cat, uh, friend of the show, Cat at Manchester Red says, uh, have you had a chance to see the women play since Charlton away? If not, definitely worth heading to Lee Sports Village for the final game of the season to see them lift the cup on the 11th of May. Something to smile about. Yeah, I'm not able to go, but I would highly encourage anyone to get down there promoted um, earlier in the week, then confirmed as champions. Uh, a fantastic season. Um, I guess we talked about the promotion last week. I remember us talking about that and, that's a that's a, a huge achievement, and um, I think it looked like Lee Sports Village was was pretty busy um, from from the clips I saw yeah, of the last yeah. game. Yeah, I mean they've had some really good crowds this season. Really, only second to to City and Chelsea in the whole of the English game. I think in terms of um, uh, some of the crowds. I mean, over four thousand at, at one uh, one um, one match, and uh, you know, really really great achievement from from nothing. Uh, to getting a squad of strangers together, appointing appointing a brand new coach, and and uh, winning their their league. I mean, 
what, what I'd say about the women's championship is there's a big gap between the top and the bottom. You know, it goes yeah. from professionalism to basically, you know, semi-amateur. Um, so, um, you know, United will definitely be tested more next season. I assume they're going to do some recruitment because they'll need it because they've had some good performances and some okay results against uh, lower half um, uh, Super League teams uh, in cup competitions this season. So, yeah, they'll need to strengthen. But it's been good watching them. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see how they do next season. As, as I said last week, um, at Matt Fajner says, since United depresses me, how excited are you guys for Endgame? I haven't, I still haven't seen Captain Marvel, and Endgame's coming out tomorrow. Uh, I think I might just end up watching Captain Marvel after Endgame, which is not right. It's not right. It's the just, first time uh, I've done any of them tomorrow. out of order. Stream it, stream it tomorrow, and you it's can not on. It's not on the streaming service. Down, download it from the interwebs. Ah. I'm not doing that. I'm not. I'm not stealing. I wouldn't download a car. Although this week, um, as has been widely covered, loads of people downloaded a car. Effectively, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's uh, no. I, I think this narrative was set by the content industry. They, they, what they should do is modernise so you can get access to these things in the way that suits people's lifestyles. I mean, you can. You just have to wait a bit. Um, yeah, but you know, I, I know plenty of people in the media industry. That that window, sorry, we're going totally off script here, but uh, it was it was prompted by the question. But that that window of the, you know the premium window um, between theatrical release and and streaming or and home media release is is getting shorter and shorter all the time because the way people consume media is changing rapidly. And although numbers in numbers in terms of total box office has retained retained its value because. You know, cinemas and distributors have been pretty clever about how to get premium value out of certain types of tickets. Um, the numbers of people going to the cinema is obviously falling because, you know, people want their media in different formats. So anyway, not long well, for cinema, the world. That cinema's good, though. Like, cinema's cinema, real cinema good. Cinema is good, but that's why you pay, you know, 15 quid for a ticket. Um, Yeah, which was why, by the way, I was very happy to pay nine ninety nine for Into the Spider-Verse. Um, when it as soon as it came on streaming, because I did not go and see it in the cinema, and I was like, "Oh, this is literally the price I would have paid to go and see it." Really good movie. Um, has Harvey seen it yet? Ed? He has several times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> of course, several times. Um. All right. At AB Five Y says, "O'Farrell equals Moyes. Doc T equals Van Hal. Sexton equals Mourinho. Atkinson equals Solskjaer. Listen, if you think oh, that, I mean, I guess, I guess." Um, Only some, you know, a, what, you know, a, a punch on for attacking football, loving the yeah, club, get, getting say, the culture. That bit, I'm not sure I've heard Oli be a big fat racist yet. Yeah, he does say I'm not looking forward to Oli's opinions on minorities, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully that will go all right. I think it will. Seems all right to me, Oli, in that, in that regard. But the the which one of Van Hal or Mourinho is Sexton? I think it's got to be Van Hal because that was i mean i know the Mourinho the Mourinho football just got awful it it wasn't like sort of a functional but just so dull that he got sacked which is what happened to both Sexton and Van Hal yeah in different ways yeah yeah absolutely and Sexton was a pragmatist and Van Hal was a purist yes very true so i guess in that case Mourinho Sexton kind of works and kind of Doherty was a sort of they were but both Van Hal and Mourinho are slightly Doherty esque characters, aren't they? Daniel Fieldhouse says, "What would be, what would be the attendance for a Phil Jones testimonial?" 
And do you reckon he'd be fit for it? I'm asking this one because I think this is a question for you. Uh, he definitely wouldn't be fit for it. Um, and the attendance... his contract. He's going to be at the club. He's going to the... earn one. The attendance will be 35,000 because people will go to anything. Yeah. Yeah, but not that many people. Phil Jones, testimonial. Him and when's Smalling's testimonial up as well? It's got to be around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. At at Nate Dunning says, why does this hurt so much? Which is, which I said not to pick stuff we've already talked about, which is clearly something we've already talked about. But definitely for me, this is the most it's hurt for a long time. Like, uh, yeah. So anyway. Oh God, Martin Tyler, right? So, um, Joey Mangini uh, says, do you remember what a good cross looks like? Yeah, me neither. Martin Tyler saying on the Sky coverage that Ashley Young was being unfairly criticised or scapegoated by United fans. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, no, 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 no he isn't. No. He's, it is entirely proportional to his performances. Um, and then uh, and then he said, uh, uh, Young kind of put in a really bad cross, obviously, from a really good position, obviously. Um, and then Tyler said, oh, what was needed there was one of his real good, cro- really good crosses. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. One of every 600 yeah. or so, you know. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Young used to have one trick, which was to cut back from his left foot onto his right foot from the right wing and uh, left wing and float it towards the back post. He's got one trick now, which is to lash it about 40 yards over all his... Um, no, sorry, two tricks. Two tricks. I lie. Either he lashes it over all the incoming strikers which he does frequently, or he hits the first man. That's it. I mean, he I'm talking to, to pundits. Uh, Graham Souness he... repeatedly calling Paul Pogba Drogba. Yeah. Um, this kind of sums him up, doesn't it? It does. Uh, the, but I also think it's not fair to say that Ashley Young used to have one trick, which was to cut inside and float it to the back post, because he also sometimes used to cut inside and smash into the top corner. Yeah, occasionally. Uh, good question, this one, from uh, the aforementioned Darren Richmond. Who's our player of the season? Fergie for getting better. <laughs> but the first part of that, who's our player of the season? Uh, they should they should not host the player of the season. <laughs> just the manager's season. They player really, of the season. They, yeah, so just give it Scott McTominay. But no, I... I, I yeah, Shaw, Fergie, Victor Lindelof. Fergie, Fergie getting better was probably the best moment of the season. Um, but Victor Lindelof was dreadful up until, what? The last, I guess, yeah, I guess Victor Lindelof. On numbers, it's going to be Pogba because he's 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 still our top scorer, I believe. But the consistency means that he probably won't be voted. No, one, probably. I, I don't think so. I mean, it's voted by, there's the players one and then there's the fans vote. Pogba's not winning the fans vote in a million years. Because even just scrolling through those questions, there was loads of kind of anti-Pogba questions. Um, uh, he's not winning the fans vote. I guess I guess it's the kind of um, you know how when Richard Osmond did the World Cup of chocolate bars and Dairy Milk won because in the end the least defensive choice wins a lot of times uh, with votes um, although not always <laughs> given recent referendum results um, but the uh, the kind of I guess the kind of middle of the road Luke Shaw keeps winning Player of the Month he's won like three Player of the Month awards so I guess it'll be him but yeah. I don't th- I don't think it should be really I think it should probably be Lindelof. Yeah, difficult one. We'll see. Well, we we couple of weeks uh, till we've got to do our end of the famous end of season Rankast Awards. I don't want to. Yeah, I no, really, we're gonna, I really, no, we're going to no, do it. You're no, going to pull your finger they, out. We're going to do no, it because that's no, what we because do. They, they don't deserve it. 
They don't. What? Who deserves praise for their performance over the course of this season? Well, I tell you what, we'll do. We'll do rank cast awards from the date that Oli got a, a, um, appointed till Marcus Rashford put that penalty in against PSG. That'll be. <laughs> that's when the, that's the period. Of, yeah. yeah, exactly. That is the period covered no, by the awards. We're not awards. doing that. Jake at Bourne underscore and underscore red says nobody's mentioned him but what about Carlos Quiroz uh, for director of football well known high football IQ experience working negotiating with top talent uh, assume uh, he has built a pretty extensive network of contacts kind of interesting I mean he's available because he's uh, after what eight years as Iran coach a very successful spell he's now back on the market I don't know. I mean, I assume he's got an extensive uh, network of contacts across Europe, but how in touch is he with uh, with sort of, you know, top league European football? Not sure. Interesting uh, shout, though. Yeah, I, I feel like this is kind of what refers to what I was saying earlier. I don't think, uh, except for some very, very well-informed exceptions, people like us, fan channels on YouTube, uh, bloggers, people on Twitter, I, or, or even like most journalists should be talking about who should be United's director of football because unless the answer is Eric Cantona, obviously. But, um, but generally speaking, I don't know how any of us could hope to know who would be good at that job. Well, there's a market for it. I mean, it, like, it, I mean... I, I don't well I don't know if I just fully agree with that because I think that's basically the argument of well you're not manager so how can you possibly have an opinion and I think it's perfectly no, okay for no. an opinion there's a market for this kind of this kind of person in Europe you know and okay, some, so some we know and then some we don't and I'm not pretending that I know every single to you know cut off your question every single director of football it doesn't mean we can't talk about it and answer what? a bloody question from the Listen. What was my what was my question going to be that you just cut off? Well, n- name name him then. No, not name United's director of football. Name a a a good director of football that you, that you think this is a director of football doing a bang up job at the club he's at. Um, I don't know. It's all in context with um with directors of football, isn't it? So yeah. Um, and the context being people like. Monchi getting the best out of the available fund, funds they got at Roma, or people like Van der Zar as well, sort of director of football, um, and in fact more senior than that now, um, trying to build a long term pattern for his his team at Ajax or Juventus, where they've had a very smart uh, plan to transition the team over three year cycles. You know, so um, there are there are Bagiristan at Manchester City, who has, you know, who they've created the blueprint for a structure, not only of their own football club, but a network of football clubs that they can wash players through it. Um, So clearly there are there are blueprints for this kind of role and people who do it very well, much in the same way there are excellent executives and there are excellent football coaches and excellent players, you know. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Right. Good or answer. we can just be the club that believes believes that a former banker from, you know, <laughs> JP Morgan uh, has suddenly become the world's expert at picking players and he's going to pick all the players better than anyone else in the no, whole I'm... of European football. Wait, are you saying that? Why was... 
no, was that directed I'm, I'm at me? Or the concept just... of like... okay, right, okay. Because I, I was saying, I think it's crazy to speculate on who should be the director. Not crazy, but okay. I guess I'll just own it and say I haven't got a clue, and I've got no interest in knowing or speculating. That's just a personal perspective. I I can't answer any questions about who sh- whether Carlos Queiroz would be a good director. No, 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 I don't know. It's so, a great you know, question. It's an interesting, super interesting question. I'm not dismissing it in that uh, sense. But well, should we just stop this podcast here because I don't know <laughs> it feels like you don't want to talk about anything? Bart Buckerak says, "What is Edward Wood's strategy for identifying players?" I suspect it's looking at the back page of the Daily Star or the Sun. We won't answer that one. Probably is, Bart. Yeah. All right. So we've got games, uh, at least a game coming up, I think. Um, We're going to preview the Chelsea game and do another podcast after that. We're going to lose. I think we'll beat them. (laughs) (laughs) You said that before, yeah. Um, I think they're rubbish. but They are uh, are rubbish and they've been losing lots of games too. So are we though. We're pretty rubbish. Seven in nine, that says we're pretty rubbish. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know. Obviously, I can't be, I can't actually be confident about this game. This is like two, uh, two people fighting with one anti behind their back, basically. Yeah. They were rubbish against Burnley. They're very, very pathetic against Liverpool. They sneaked a win against Slavia Prague in the Europa League. They weren't particularly impressive when they beat West Ham. I thought they were all right against Liverpool, but maybe I'm being overly generous. You are, God. Like Hazard, Hazard was clean through that time and hit the post and had another real good chance shortly after that. Was one was cut back, um, and they, they they had some chance. Maybe they, maybe their overall performance was not good, but they they did make yeah. a few chances in that game. They've got some players that can hurt us. Obviously. Hazard, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Hudson Odoi's out; he's injured himself. Um, uh, Presume that's no longer the last time he'll ever play for Chelsea. I mean, we'll see. We'll see whether Surrey makes it through the summer. Um, and that's a fascinating question. Isn't it, it is a fascinating question. Um, I mean, Abramovich hasn't sacked him yet, and the rumours haven't been swirling because normally, you know, the team Chelsea board leaks this stuff like a sieve, don't they? So, uh, yeah, it's weird. We, though. we might have heard already of Surrey who's getting the boot. It's weird though, isn't it? Because um, they. They didn't sack Conte until pre-season. It was so, it was so strange because it was a dead man walking from Christmas last year. And then they were like in the middle of, they played, a pre, I think Conte took took charge of a pre-season game for Chelsea this season, which is absolutely baffling. So, I mean, it's clear, talk about like being ill-informed, but it is very clear that Abramovich has fundamentally changed his relationship with Chelsea, isn't it? Because he he's obviously not, involved in the same way that he has been well no he can't be he's not allowed in the country anymore <laughs> yes is he actually not allowed to visit or is he just not allowed to live here no presumably he's like I, well I actually i don't know that one given that he was denied a work permit for security yeah. reasons yeah he may not be allowed to even visit crazy he took up israeli citizenship i believe right um anyway so that's i the kind of they've obviously like play this kind of properly Van Haal-esque possession football. Iguain, by the way, Ed, I, I was Total kind of optimistic. You you were so right. <laughs> you were so right. You know, I was kind of like a bit, I was almost a bit surprised by how vociferous you were that Higuain was a terrible signing. To me, it seemed like a real good signing. But no, you were absolutely right. It's a really terrible signing it's turned out to be. Yeah. Uh, well, I, no, I'm not going to, yeah, I won't 
go on about that one. I just I just thought it looked like he'd gone so much. Yeah. Um, that uh, it's one of those ones you rarely see a player come back from. M- yeah. Much like Alexis. Yeah. But hopefully not Dave. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm nervous. The one thing that I was thinking about De Gea, though, was um, you almost wouldn't be surprised to hear that something actually bad had been happening, you know, that he was having some personal difficulties or something. Because it's been such a marked, shocking drop in form and you wonder whether really contract negotiations would do this to somebody who's been, you know, he was always very professional. Even when he was going to leave to go to Madrid, he was very professional. There was a yeah. lot of, you know, so it, it's been very strange to see him. Or he's not... made the deci- decision. It's not negotiations. It's he's leaving. Yeah. Or he's got the yips because it does happen. You know, when you perform at the level that De Gea's performed at, you're, you are a finely honed machine, aren't you? So didn't take that much to go wrong to get the yips for a keeper. Um, so yeah. anyway, I, I hope, anyway I let's hope he doesn't yeah. get any yips against Chelsea, or he's not in the team if uh, you uh, if you get your uh, way with Ollie. Uh, yeah, what, do you, what do you think about the result? Uh, we we uh, will record after Everton, right? And we got uh, Chelsea field yeah. after that, or something like that, haven't we? Yeah, because there's a week between. So I think we're yeah. planning to, even though this might just come out a little bit before the Chelsea game, we're planning to do another probably shorter podcast um, with proper bonus content because it's now uh, really late at night in the UK. So we're not going to do bonus content um, for fear that Ed's family will fall apart if he keeps them up any longer, um, among other reasons. Um, Nothing to do with you might want to get to bed or anything like that. Absolutely not. (laughs) Nothing to do with the clear enthusiasm I've had for this episode since it started (laughs) that I've demonstrated all the way through. No, I don't want to talk about that. No, this is stupid. No, we shouldn't be talking about this. I apologise everyone for uh, this, which is definitely not the worst episode ever because that was was when I just came back from being seriously ill and Jose Mourinho was the manager, which was a devastating combination. Um, But yeah, uh, we'll be back with another podcast, probably a shorter main pod and then long bonus content at the end for Patreon backers. Um, and uh, yeah, that, we'll do that after the Chelsea game. Score prediction, nil-nil. <laughs> no, well, one you, all. You said we were going to win. One you all. You can't predict we're going to win last week and predict we're going to win this week and then say one all. You, you know what a win oh, is. You, you're, telling, you're telling me that this week that's just gone by... I can't have affected my perception on how United are doing overall. You said not five minutes ago on this here pod that yeah, we're we'll going to beat them. them. I was only being silly, though. <laughs> it's late at night. You've been smoking something. Yeah, we're clearly we're clearly going to lose. So, um, 1-0 to Chelsea. Yes. Uh, why, why do you think we're going to lose? Because, I mean, Chelsea are barely in better form than us, right? Yeah, but they are. They haven't lost seven in nine. Fair enough. Fair enough. Listen, listen. That is a good argument. <laughs> Maybe we should just all go and boycott this game and go and watch Endgame instead. It's, it may it may be the end game for Ollie's uh, managerial reign at United <laughs> if we lose this one. Oh my! I mean, oh my! Nobody's talking about that, are they? I mean, not, not yet. Not anyone. Serious, not yet. Right? We didn't talk about it on this show, but there's an interesting question about whether he'd have got the job if they had waited to the summer. Not saying should. Just whether he would have whether done, given would. that yeah. Woodward doesn't yeah. make rational decisions. They're all emotional and from the gut, which is why he yeah. makes so many bad ones. Oh. I'm not saying this is a bad one, by the way. I'm not saying this is a bad one. He just no, makes a lot of I bad think, ones. I think that's interesting. I wonder whether that's, I wonder whether that's true, that it's because 
yeah, anyway, there's a whole conversation to be had about head versus heart. But not now, because it's too late, and both my head and my heart want to go to bed. All right, we'll let and you do that. not think about United at all between now and whenever we kick off on Sunday. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Enjoy Thanks for it, listening, peeps. everyone. Also, sorry. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. Bye now. <laughs>